this morning is week two of our Marvel series. In this series, we're talking about the miracles of Jesus and how we can experience God's power today. I encourage you to participate in this series, not just by coming and worshiping and listening to the messages, but also by using our Marvel reading plan. Uh, you can find this week's reading uh, readings, rather, in your bulletin in uh, a section called the, the GPS, the Grow, Pray, Study Guide on the back of your prayer list. Every week we'll include the uh, readings for that particular week from our eight-week plan in the bulletin. Uh, also, last week we handed out the entire eight-week plan, and if you did not get that, uh, I, I would encourage you please to go and get the entire plan um, at the Welcome Center right after worship this morning. This reading plan uh, will help you go deeper into the scriptures and be strengthened and encouraged by God's promises. For each day, it includes a short reading along with one or several questions for reflection over the eight weeks of this series. You can meet with others to discuss the readings and questions together or follow the plan individually. And I encourage you to be people who read the Bible and pray every day. This tool will help you do that. It will also take you deeper as we explore the miracles of Jesus in our Marvel series. Last week, we focused on the resurrection of Jesus, and we asked the question, what happened that first Easter morning? As the writer Leslie Newbegin explains, the resurrection is not the reversal of a defeat, but the manifestation of a victory. In other words, the cross was not a defeat that then the resurrection somehow made up for or undid or reversed. No, on the cross, Jesus won a great victory for us over sin, death, and the powers of evil. He confirmed that victory. He made it clear. He made it manifest in his resurrection. And that means Jesus is alive and at work in our world. Today, we're going to consider the one thing that comes right before each of Jesus' miracles, these amazing things that Jesus does. And we're also going to look at how that one thing can lead us to experience God's power today. There's a scene uh, in the movie Marvel's The Avengers that mentions that one thing three times in a little over one minute. Let's watch and see if you can catch what it is. It's an impressive cage. Not built, I think, for me. Built for something a lot stronger than you. Oh, I've heard. A mindless beast makes play he's still a man. How desperate are you? You call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. Ooh. It burns you to have come so close. To have the Tesseract, to have power, unlimited power. And for what? A warm light for all mankind to share. And then to be reminded what real power is. 
Well, let me know if real power wants a magazine or something. Did you figure it out? Desperation. I guess there's a hint up there now on the screen. <laughs> Desperation. But yes. Uh, Marvel's The Avengers is a movie about a team of superheroes who come together uh, to form The Avengers uh, to help stop Thor's brother, Loki, from enslaving the human race. Uh, the villain, Loki, asks Nick Fury, played by uh, Samuel L. Jackson, one with the, uh, the eye patch in the scene we saw there, how desperate are you that you would call on such lost creatures to defend you? And Fury responds, how desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You have made me very desperate. In that movie, such desperation becomes the catalyst for propelling the Avengers to victory. Uh, Loki's plot to make himself ruler of Earth fails because the Avengers are desperate to prevent this massive attack on Earth. In their desperation, they find the strength and resolve to see the task through to the end. Not just in movies like this one, but in real life, desperation can be a gift. It's not a gift we would naturally want. It's not a gift we would ever ask for. Nothing you'd ever see on a wish list, wedding registry, or letter to Santa. But desperation can be a gift. And when received that way, then that gift opens us up to the power of positive change and transformation. Here's why. In the middle of our most desperate moments, we're not alone. Jesus bends low to meet us right where we are. We'll see it over and over again as we explore the miracles of Jesus that the presence of desperation leads to an encounter with the power of Jesus. Desperation isn't a popular state of being. No one wants to be the girl without a date to prom when all her friends have been asked, or the person sending a hundredth resume for a job he or she really needs, or the guy on the corner holding up the sign that says anything will help. Desperation isn't a preferred or pleasant condition, but it's the stuff that miracles are made of. If you're feeling desperate right now, here's good news. Miracles are for desperate people. In each of Jesus' miracles, someone comes to the end of available choices, running out of ideas, options, strength, and resources and Jesus steps in to make things right. Desperation always precedes a miracle. We see this pattern repeatedly in the Gospels, these biographies of Jesus. Someone is blind or lame or dead. Someone's child is sick or dead or possessed by demons. Thousands of people are hungry and there's not enough to feed them. A boat is full of people and it's about to capsize. Ten people are walking around with leprosy, outcast from their families, 
and the community. A woman is bent over in pain. A man's hand is disfigured beyond recognition. A woman has been bleeding for 12 years. Jesus is the miracle worker of those in despair. Jesus is the savior of desperate people. Desperation is a gift from God because it teaches us we can't do life on our own. Every time we say to ourselves, I got it, I can make it on my own, really, in the big picture, we're fooling ourselves. We're wearing a mask of self-reliance and believing a lie of self-subsistence. We're not the heroes of our own stories. We're all, every one of us, badly in need of Jesus' help. But the truth is that it's only the desperate who go looking for it, and they're the ones who receive. Desperation is the gift of not being able to pretend anymore. The hard things send us running into God's open arms. We see this gift of desperation in Jesus' First miracle, a, a miracle performed, of all places, at a wedding. Uh, we, we might think, a wedding? That's, that's a time for celebration. Where's the desperation there? What could possibly go wrong at a wedding? Well, I've seen people lose the rings. <laughs> I've seen people pass out. <laughs> I've seen members of the wedding party uh, forget the start time and show up late. Uh, for my brother-in-law's wedding, due to an unfortunate miscommunication, we even showed up late. Molly was in the wedding party. I was the pastor. <laughs> we thought we were going to arrive in plenty of time, about an hour before the service. But when we found out it was actually scheduled to begin an hour earlier, how quickly desperation <laughs> set in. Even during a time of great celebration, like a wedding, all of a sudden, joy and excitement can turn into sheer desperation. Where was the desperation at this wedding attended by Jesus? A party was going on. They ran out of wine, and Jesus gave them a divine and abundant refill. Party on. It's that simple, right? Well, we might think that from our 21st century vantage point. But if we look at this miracle without understanding the background, uh, it almost seems as if Jesus was performing a, a party trick for the disciples. Hey, guys, look at this. Uh, but this was a wedding in the first century not the 21st. The first century was not a convenience culture. No sending someone running to the store for more to drink. First century weddings lasted a week or more. Imagine the cost. And wine was the main beverage for the guests. To run out of wine like this was not a mere breach of etiquette. It was a social and psychological catastrophe, especially in a traditional honor and shame culture. An honor and shame culture was one in which every social act 
brought either honor or shame to your family or clan. Here we have the most important event of a young couple's life. They were being introduced to life in the community that they would depend on for trade and commerce, support, social and religious community, and even future marriages for their children. For them to get off on the wrong foot like this would have devastating consequences for a long time. At best, they'd be publicly humiliated for years. At worst, they could actually be treated as social outcasts, cut off from the benefits of participating in society. So when the wine went out and the party had not yet ended, the family was desperate, facing certain shame and guilt. What we see here isn't some party trick by Jesus. Instead, we see an introduction to what we will come to recognize as Jesus' specialty, using his power for the powerless and helpless to eliminate shame and guilt. That's his specialty, using his power for the powerless and helpless to eliminate shame and guilt. Not only did Jesus prevent certain disaster, but he also turned a desperate situation into an abundant blessing. Jesus didn't just turn the water into wine. He turned it into the best wine. And there was more than enough for everyone. When we find ourselves in situations that could bring shame and guilt, we recognize that Jesus is the rescuer of desperate people. The only way to a deep connection to the power of Jesus is first for us to recognize our deep need for him. If we think we can enjoy his power without first admitting our own powerlessness, we are mistaken. When we find ourselves in a place where we run out of strength, that is precisely the place where we may run into Jesus. That's a big part of my story. I remember a time when, as a young teenager, I, I, was, I was totally desperate. It didn't look that way on the outside. We have all kinds of clever ways to conceal desperation, don't we? But on the inside, I was hurting, and I was lost. In one sense, that may be the worst kind of desperation, because people around you can't tell. You look okay. You put on a good face. To them, things seem normal. But deep down, you're hurting so bad, you're desperate. And maybe you start to wonder, does anybody understand? Does anybody even care? At a low point in my life, I asked those same questions. Who understands what I'm going through now? Who even cares about how I'm hurting and desperate? And what I found out in a way that, that far exceeded my expectations was that Jesus understands. Jesus cares. 
When your circumstances lead you to ask those same questions, the same answers are there for you as well. No one understands and no one cares as much as Jesus does. In the movie Marvel's The Avengers from 2012, desperation drove the superheroes to come together and save the world from destruction. More movies would follow, leading to the most recent one, which was released uh, last week. No spoilers, I promise. Truthfully, I haven't even seen it yet. If you have, don't tell me, please. But these superheroes, known as the Avengers, have a knack for showing up in desperate times and saving the day. And I think there's something compelling about that. There's a reason why this movie series has been breaking all kinds of records. And I think it's because deep down in our hearts, we want a story like that. We want to see it. We want to hear it. We want to dare to believe that it could be true. And that's just something up on the big screen. But in real life, in our everyday lives, we have a savior. Jesus. He saved us in the most extraordinary way by dying for us and rising from the dead. He took our shame and guilt upon himself and he saved us because he loves us. We couldn't do it on our own. We could not save ourselves. We were desperate for a savior and Jesus Christ God in flesh and blood stepped into our desperate world and laid down his life to save us. To Jesus, you are worth that great sacrifice. Our desperation can drive us to him. And when we recognize our desperate need for Jesus and go straight to him, we see that he can handle our desperation. That's when he does his best work. We are drawn to the miracle stories because of God's power on display. But in addition to his power, there's a quieter characteristic also on display in the miracles of Jesus. Our obedience. We see that in our passage for today. When the wine was gone, Mary, the mother of Jesus, said to the servants, do whatever Jesus tells you. In other words, listen to Jesus and obey him. Think about what it must have been like in those desperate moments for the servants. This celebration was a huge workload for them. They were feeding and serving all the guests for a party lasting days. They were working overtime. Plus, I'm sure they were tired. And also feeling helpless now that they could see there was no more wine. Would they be blamed? But they were willing. For some reason, they were willing to listen to what Jesus had to say. 
and to do what he instructed them. It sounded strange. <laughs> he gave them instructions to get these jars, fill them up with water. I mean, this is water, Jesus. We need wine. They didn't question. They obeyed. And because they did, they witnessed a miracle. They had a front row seat to God's mighty acts in ways that other people didn't because other people just saw the end result. Oh, there's more wine and it's the best. That's wonderful. They knew. They knew Jesus had done something miraculous. By obeying God, we are playing a part in his grander plan. You know, it would be far easier for us just to kind of sit back like we do in a movie theater and just let it all happen and just watch it all. But that's not what the Christian life is meant to be. It's not a passive experience of coming into a sanctuary and sitting down and doing nothing. That's not it. There's so much more. This is about us getting involved. This is about us playing a part and that you have a part to play in God's great saga of salvation. God wants to involve each of us in the plan for his kingdom to come here on earth as it is in heaven. If you would like a front row seat to see God at work and be part of the amazing transformation of the world we live in, put on a servant's uniform and do everything Jesus tells you. Your desperation is a gift if you allow it to be. Don't try to hide the places of your weakness, dryness, or running out. Instead of running away from these things, lean into them. This is where you're going to meet Jesus. Your best will always run out. His best will always be better, so much better. Your desperation will lead you to ask for a tiny refill, but Jesus will bypass the bottles you have emptied and say instead, bring me the jars and fill them with 150 gallons of grace. Fill them all the way to the top. Let them overflow grace upon grace upon grace. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are the rescuer of desperate people. We live lives of quiet and at times noisy desperation. Help us trust in you and see that your grace is always enough. Use us to be part of your work in this world that we, like those servants at the wedding so long ago, may hear your words, Jesus, and follow and obey. We pray in your name, and as you taught us, now we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name.